Big center net. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are underway this hour on Flames Talk. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. It is a Tuesday, February 21st, and this is the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to Smart Locks online at Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Aaron Vickers, Daily Hive. My name is Pat Steinberg. Um, coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. And another opportunity for the Flames to gain some traction. And another missed opportunity for the Flames to gain some traction. Kind of that same old story, same old song and dance, same old issues plaguing them. And we're now 57 games into this play. And... Again, a game against Philadelphia where they didn't do everything poorly, but they couldn't score enough. They couldn't get that one more goal. They couldn't get that one more save, and they lose a game in regulation. And and we have been calling this season a roller coaster ride for months now. It feels like months we've been comparing this year's team to a thrill ride or a roller coaster ride and the ups and downs and the inconsistency. And and the amount of times I've asked aloud or the amount of times people have wondered aloud, like, how the hell did this, does this team get off the roller coaster? How come it's been such an inconsistent mess this year? And to me, it's it's really simple at this point. Right now, they are an average hockey team. And average hockey teams are the roller coaster teams. The middle of the road, mediocre, average, just okay teams are the ones that show you these flashes of really good, like the way they played against the Rangers on Saturday. And these flashes of really yuck, like against Detroit or against Philadelphia, two of their last three games. And until they, with this roster, are able to get the performances out of their most important players they're going to remain an average team until Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri and Elias Lindholm and Jacob Markstrom. Those are the four for me until those guys are consistently high end and consistently what they need to be on a nightly basis. This team is going to remain a middle of the road team. And thus this team is going to remain infuriatingly inconsistent because when those guys aren't impact makers night in, night out, and when it's pick and choose, this guy's on, that guy's off, when when it's that type of situation, you're going to get beat by teams below you in the standings, and you're going to have nights like what we saw against Detroit and Philadelphia in recent memory, and you're also going to have games where they look really good because when they're on, the team's a good team. But it's as simple as that for me. If they if they want to get off this roller coaster, they can't be an average run-of-the-mill group. And when those guys aren't driving the bus, they are an average run-of-the-mill group. And the average teams are the ones that piss their fans off the most. It's really boring, but your best players have to be your best players. It holds true in the playoffs. It holds true in the regular season as well. And you isolated four players there, which should be the Calgary Flames, four best players. I don't know if we've seen three of them, and I think there might be an argument to be made that even two of them 
We haven't seen their best games collectively align at the same time to give the Calgary Flames that boost. In fact, it's it's arguable. Like, it's just baffling how you name those four guys and you look, Nazem Kadri, former cup winner, should probably score 30. Elias Lindholm had eight, over 80 points last year, 40 goals, and was a candidate for the Selkie. Jacob Markstrom was a Vesna Trophy candidate a year ago. Jonathan Huberto, 115 points, set a record by left wings for assists. The formula is there. It just doesn't seem like they're aligning at the same time or peaking at the same time to put together a stretch for the Calgary Flames, a team that is now officially on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, Mm -hmm. a team that I believe hasn't had back-to-back wins since January, so we're going on a month. Last time they had a winning streak of three games was, I believe, early December, and they haven't had a stretch of more than three wins in a row all season. So you want to talk about a roller coaster with ups and downs and dips. If you're a Calgary Flames team that has designs of being a playoff team come this spring, you're going to need to put something together and you're going to need those four players to be at the forefront driving the bus. And I got to be honest, there's I'm not saying it's completely out of the question because of course it's not. But the more time goes on, the less that I'm just willing to blindly believe that it's going to... Somebody's going to snap their finger and those guys are all like, it's been a really, really frustrating run here for Kadri. And I think he's, I think he's playing frustrated. I think he is very aware that the team in his mind is underachieving, but Kadri has, has really been rough the last little bit. And Huberto had that great game against the Rangers on Saturday. He was awesome. Was one of the best games he's played as a member of the flames. And then, you know, was kind of just a, a guy against Philadelphia two days later. And it's we all know that the Markstrom conversation, I think that's been rather well documented this season, the way that it's gone. Oh, you don't it's, say. You know, I'm, just, I'm just saying that we may have spoken about the goaltending this year. And, and Elias Lindholm, you will never get a bad game out of Elias Lindholm. It's just not in his nature. He is too smart and too responsible a hockey player to ever get a bad game out of him. But going from being a Selkie Trophy runner-up last year to being what he's been this year, he j- he's not that same impact guy. And so you've got, to your point, your four most important players on a team that is not top-heavy to begin with, a team that was really going to be based on its depth, the four top players being well below what they need to be for most of the season is why the group is where they are and and or the main reason in my eyes why the group is where they are and and why they continue to be this very up and down bang your head against the wall team. Well, put this into perspective because we agree that those are the three most important forwards on the team, right? Lindholm, Huberto, Kadri based on expectation. Since January 1st, Huberto's 7th on the team in scoring with 13 points in 19 games. Kadri's eighth with 12 points in 19 games. Those are two guys you need to be not necessarily even at a point per game pace, but you need to be closer to that than a half game pace. And what's even more troubling is the fact that Huberto in that stretch is minus eight. Kadri's minus seven. Now, Lindholm is fourth in scoring with 15 points in 18 games, but he's only plus two as well. We know his two-way game. Again, you mentioned the Selkie uh, nomination, the headiness of the player. But it's really, right now, Tyler Toffoli, Michael Backlund, Andrew Mangiapane, and Blake Coleman, and to a certain degree as well, Dylan Dubé, driving the bus for the Calgary Flames right now. And if you're going to have Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri a tier below that, 
I think that's where you're getting into your roller coasters. We've yep. seen some really good games out of those two players. We've also seen some not so great games out of those players in terms of these are your impact makers. These are your quote unquote. Ga- if the Calgary Flames have game breakers, Jonathan Huberto is one of your game breakers. Nazem Kadri should be one of your game breakers, and they just haven't been. And on a team that is predicated on checking and and all of the things that Daryl Sutter wants this team to be, you still need your best guys to be your best guys. You still, and that's why the team was able to be as electric as they were last year, and what they they were able to be strong in all the metrics that that you're used to with Daryl Sutter: shot volume, chances against, shots Shot against. Because they have their best guys playing at, you know, for a lot of their guys, the highest level ever. Yeah, they might have been career seasons, but the most important players, the highest paid players on the Flames last season were their best players. From Johnny to Matthew to Markstrom, like that, those were the best guys to Lindholm. Those are the best guys last year. This year, your highest paid player or soon to be highest paid player is struggling. Your highest paid forward right now and highest paid guy as it stands is struggling and, and has has really come off it of late. Your number one goaltender is having a massive step back season. And and the guy that was really your biggest even strength driver last year has taken a little bit of a step back in terms of the impact. So if that changes, well then maybe we do see this team start to get on a run. But the problem is there's only twenty five games to go and fifty seven of eighty two it's been an extremely inconsistent run for those guys. And as such, when you're a team that is kind of supposed to be the sum of the parts, but the most important parts aren't, aren't pulling the weight that they need to be, that they're capable of, that they have the potential of pulling, then you get a pretty run-of-the-mill team. Does that make this more frustrating if you're the Calgary Flames or you're a Calgary Flames fan where you mentioned the pieces? And again, Huberto, 115 points last year. Nazem Kadri well over a point per game last year. Uh, Elias Lindholm, 40 goals, 80 points. Jacob Markstrom, Vezina Trophy runner-up. We know that these players are capable of these things, Whether and you're not expecting Jonathan Huberto to get 115 points every year, but he's been well over a point per game for the last few seasons. Nazem Kadri, you could probably pencil in for about 70. Elias Lindholm, we've seen him blossom here in Calgary, so we know what he's all about. Jacob Markstrom, again, he had... He had nine shutouts by this point. He had what, seven before Christmas last year. So you know what he's capable of too. You're just not seeing again, the sum of the parts meshing together to, to build the hole. That to me is uh, the answer to the million dollar question. That's just, that's just not give you optimism for this group as well. At the same time, like you can be down on the group and that's fair. And I hate to be Brad for living at this point, because you look at what you've got, you look at where you are with all these players underperforming and you just think, if they can find a way to get back to their games, the teams, the Calgary Flames could have a great team, especially if you're rounding into form come playoff time. You know where I have but the optimism for? The optimism is less. I'm, I'm, if, if the two sides of the coin are optimism and skepticism, I'm of the skeptical side for the rest of this season. I'm, I'm, I'm of the pessimistic or, or skeptical nature that, the things that need to be rectified get rectified between now and the trade deadline, or more importantly now in early April when the season comes to an end. That's not to say they'll miss the playoffs, but them all of a sudden becoming a high-end team between now and the end of the year, 
I'm I'm quite skeptical on. However, where I am optimistic is next season. Where I am optimistic is the idea of there was a lot of turnover in the offseason, an unprecedented amount of turnover based on the NHL's cap era. No team has gone through a summer and has turned their team over quite like the Calgary Flames did in July and August. Yeah. And so knowing that, I just wonder if putting too much definitive stock into what you see this year in what is really an adjustment year for guys like Kadri, who's coming off the high of winning a Stanley Cup, and Huberdeau, who is clearly having issues adjusting to Calgary. I think that there was a long stretch of him trying to get over how it ended in Florida. I think it's been pretty well documented how he and Daryl Sutter have not been on the same page at different times this year. So you have the adjustments there for Huberdo. I think Uyghurs had a lot of those same adjustments. I think Lindholm is adjusting to not having those two guys on his line this year. And Markstrom's going through whatever Markstrom's going through. And I just wonder if you get through this season and all of what has gone into the lead-up to this season and the frustrations that have been within the season... If you start a new next year, that's where I'm a little bit more optimistic than maybe Jonathan Huberto can look a little bit more like he did against the Rangers on a regular basis. And Nazem Kadri can look a little bit more like the guy he was at the beginning of the season for an entire year. And so I have not given up hope on next year. I'm a little bit more or a lot more skeptical on what the rest of this season looks like, though. Okay, i got two questions for you. This won't count as Flames Talk Best Bets, but okay. I want I want to set this up for you. Right now, the Calgary Flames are on pace for 90.6 points this season. You hitting the over or the under? What is it again? They're at what? 90.6 is what they're on pace for. I mean, I'll go over just to be okay. just to be positive. Okay. The Minnesota Wilds, who currently hold the second wild card into yep. the Stanley Cup playoffs from the West, are on pace for 95. Flames at 94 and a half. You hitting the over or the under? So it was, they're on pace for 90. 95. That would be the last spot in the West. So, okay. One more time. The Flames are on pace for 90.6 points. 90.6. Okay. Minnesota Wild, who they need to catch, they're only two points back right now. Minnesota has a game at hand, mm-hmm. but their points percentage yes. translates to 95. And so you're asking me over under? Yeah. Under. The tough slug, hey? I'm probably gonna go under. You gotta, you gotta go on a tear if you're the Calgary Flames. And again, this is a team that hasn't won more than three games and hasn't won more than or hasn't won back to back games since mid to late January. You know the problem. The problem with all this is that I don't buy Minnesota. I just don't think they're a very good team. I don't think the Flames are a very good team right now either. I'm not trying to suggest Calgary's great and Minnesota's not. I just think Minnesota is very catchable, and they are they are not such a they're not such a factor that I'm like, oh, it's going to be so tough to track them down because I think they've got they've got a lot of disappointing losses left in them between now and the end of the season too because we've seen I've I've kept as close an eye on the Wild as I can over the last number of weeks and watched as many games of theirs as I could because they're in such a similar situation as Calgary yeah. high expectations and they've they've had a couple of good seasons in a row. And here they are fighting for their playoff lives and losing to teams they shouldn't lose to. And sometimes they look great and sometimes they look very average. They are they are the Midwest version of the Calgary Flames this year. And so that's why I'm like, I don't think they're invincible, that's for sure. And 
as much as I don't think the Flames should be buyers at this year's deadline, even if they're not buyers, even if they don't markedly improve their team between now and the March 3rd deadline, I still think they can be a playoff team because I don't know if I buy. If you were to go over under on Minnesota's point total, I'm kind of like I'm going under because I don't really think they're very good either. This roller coaster ride is fascinating to me. I'm just going to spit this out real quick. Since winning back-to-back games January 21st and 23rd, Flames lost to Chicago, beat Seattle, overtime loss to New York, overtime shootout loss to New York, lost to Detroit, beat Buffalo, overtime shootout loss to Ottawa, lost to Detroit, win to the Rangers, lose to Philadelphia. Just win-loss, 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 yeah. win-loss. Like That is a up-down, up-down, no traction, no momentum. Something's got to give with this group because that's not going to land you in the playoffs. Just one in, one out. A few texts at 969.60. This from Mike says, Kachuk and Gaudreau used to lay waste to the bad teams. Just saying, especially last year, those guys had point night after point night against some also-ran teams in the league. And and that's what you got to do sometimes. Uh, This says, how many years did it take Elias, Johnny, and Matthew to be the best top line in the NHL? Don't you think guys that next year will be a big step forward. And that's what I think. You called it a transition. Was it transition year? Is that the term? I think I use the term an adjustment year, but yeah, transitional year works as well. And I do think there's a lot of that going on. And that's why I'm not ready to just completely punt on next season. And I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to look at this group and say, this is, this is a lost group. Huberto's a bust. Markstrom's done. Kadri was a bad signing. I'm not ready to go there. I am ready to say this could be a lost season. I am ready to say this could be a this could be a year that just doesn't come together or whatever term you want to use. But I I'm not ready to buy that this is the group in perpetuity. And I keep going back to how fooled I was by that 56 game season, mm-hmm. and it was such a unique year for obvious reasons. This is such a unique year for the reasons of what happened in the offseason and all of the transition that is being felt and all of the adjustments that are being made. And you can tell me all you want that, oh, it shouldn't take X amount of games. It should have been done by now. Whatever. It doesn't look like it has. It doesn't look like it is done. And I just wonder if a reset and an offseason and a fresh training camp and training camp two, if that couldn't be something that makes them a little bit closer to what we expected them to be next year as opposed to this year. Well, if it doesn't, you're in a uh, very interesting predicament if you're rolling back largely the same roster and getting the same results after a full season of adjustment, after a summer of downtime, if you will, to decompress and coming back refresh next September. Just makes you wonder what, like, I'm fully in the camp of, this being a transition year. And even if you miss the playoffs, not all is lost, not all is ruined. It hasn't been a waste because in many ways, what's happening this season will you hope allow for progression into next season where you have that familiarity with all these new faces, but I'm still curious about this season and what the final 20 some odd games brings for this group. Um, this says, do you want them to make it? Well, yeah, playoff hockey's fun. It's way it's way more fun covering a team in the playoffs than covering the teams out of your market in the playoffs. That's yep. that's, that's nowhere near. Playoffs are great, but of course I want them to make the playoffs. If if they can, that would be awesome. And I'd rather them end up being there than not being there because 
that makes for a much better buzz in the city, and we get extra games. And yeah, of course, I want them to be there. I want it just for the atmosphere in the Saddle Dome yeah. for for home games. It's incredible. There's nothing like a home game in the playoffs. It is. It trumps anything in the regular season. It's fantastic, and for that reason alone. Whether you're a fan of the Calgary Flames or not, you should want that team in the playoffs if you're a Calgarian and plan on not even going to the games but being around the city because it's a, it's an elevated status once that team's in the in the playoffs. Mike writes, guys, this was supposed to be the year. Brad did what he could, but this team is not good. Going nowhere, stop trying to make excuses. These guys are pros. Not even trying to make excuses. I just think it's worth it to give it more than 57 games before you make the decision that it's done. It's not going to work. Let's go in a completely different direction. I think it's worth it to give yourself a good chunk in next season as well to see whether or not the massive moves, unlike anything that we've seen before in terms of upheaval in one summer, if there's still something to the vision that they had, even if it's not working this year, I think that there is absolutely reason to give it another season. Bonus uh, addition from the text line. Don't forget about Nashville. Nashville has three games at hand on the Calgary Flames. If they cash them in, they'd actually leapfrog the Calgary Flames. Yeah, now, I'm not too worried about the Nashville, back, right? Nashville Predators. They are five back with three games at hand. Uh, I can see a situation where they're actually sellers at the deadline as opposed to buyers or even just standing pat. Uh, I'm not necessarily... I'm sitting right now. You know what? I wanted to make that joke earlier, and I thought that it would get the biggest groan, and here you are. Just stealing my dad joke thunder. Yeah. I'll let it pass because for. I had the opportunity and just let that ship sail on by. Um, but no, I'm not necessarily too worried if I'm the Calgary Flames about the teams behind it, whether it's the Nashville Predators, the St. Louis Blues are a little bit further back, one game at hand and eight points back. I see those teams as sellers. I really I really think we're gonna get into a situation where it's the Calgary Flames or the Minnesota Wild for that last wildcard spot. That's that's how I see it unfolding. Now again. We've still got, what is it, 25-ish 25 games, go, depending yeah. on which team you are, to go. That's, you know, a third of the season. There's still plenty of time left, but the way things have unfolded, if you will, I, I'm very curious about the final wild card spot being between Minnesota and Calgary. And and all of this is why I, I remain pretty adamantly opposed to them giving up the high leverage future assets at the trade deadline, because... If if this is if if you are looking at this in the bigger picture and this season is not the only season that matters, well, for the longer term, keeping those assets and maybe being able to get a good first round pick in one of the deepest drafts that everybody's been talking about for years, well, maybe that can help you in three or four years or two or three years with this core that you have signed and locked up long-term. Kadri's not going anywhere. Huberto's not going anywhere. Uyghur's not going anywhere. So this this season's not the be-all be and end-all. And as much as you don't want to waste the season when you're in a finite window, I don't know if you need to double down on waste. Like, I don't know if you need to double down on having a bad season. So if you're going to give this group another chance, and if you're going to say, okay, let's see what they can do in year two and maybe a full year and a full off season with none of the crazy turnover and turmoil, 
well, then I don't know if you need to be making the type of deals that everybody is, not everybody, but lots of people have been talking about. I don't know if you need to make them at this deadline. So what are you spending? What's your budget? Because I'm looking at it as the first round pick in 2023, certainly off the table. I would take the second rounder off the table and start with the third, but they don't have their third. So they've got first, second, fourth, no fifth. They've got a sixth and a seventh, and then they've got their prospect stable. What are you comfortable spending? Because looking at it right now and just seeing what I've seen out of this team, I don't know if I'm giving up the second round pick either, but now you're in a situation where a fourth and a prospect doesn't necessarily get you a whole lot at the trade deadline. That's more of a finesse, and that's you know, really, bottom line. That's really 60. all I'm interested in seeing them do. I mean, that's what they've, you take your cues from your team. That's what they've sort of given where you're not going to expend a whole bunch of assets to add to this group. I don't know if it necessarily calls for it. Again, you're on the outside looking in at this point. But to go back, this group still has a ton of potential that's been unrealized to this point. I just don't know if the remaining 25 games, 27 games, are where this team realizes it. Yeah, I think it's more towards next season now. And and that's what I I can almost guarantee you those are the conversations being had behind closed doors for the Calgary Flames right now. Very, very similar conversations to the one that we're having right now when it comes to how they approach the deadline and how they want to go about it. And and yeah, so if you if you could get if you could get a number six defenseman for uh a fourth round pick or a twenty twenty four third round pick or something like that. That's about as high as I'd be willing to go, I think. I don't know. Top 60 picks for me, I would not be looking at. You know, your top prospects, I would not be looking at. So if you could if you could get a Luke Shen or Justin Braun or name it of the potential depth defensemen that have been out there or that have been banded about, sure, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's that's That's filling a need but not doing so at the expense of your most important assets. Now, what if they run the table before March 3rd and they win all five games? Does that change the approach? Or are you still standing pat? Eh? I mean, I guess eh? it depends. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you because I'm so... <laughs> I mean, you got to see how they win those five games, I guess, and too. I'm so, I'm, I'm so skeptical that that would even happen. Well, I mean, they haven't won more than three, so exactly. five might be a stretch, but... If ever you're going to go on a heater, now's the time. Well, I just, I remember somebody on, on overtime or, or on Flamestock postgame rather said earlier this year when that stat was thrown out, it's like after the all-star break, the flames have, you know, one of the easiest strengths to schedule between now and the end of the season. And somebody said, well, that's uh that's your death <laughs> sentence for the Calgary flames. So they can't beat these teams. And, and I look back at that. That was like two or three weeks ago. Somebody said that and you're like, Oh boy, did that end up being prophetic? Because it is. They can't beat. They're, they're not beating the teams that they need to beat. And it's awesome that they can beat these really good teams in a one-off regular season game. That's awesome. But the mark of a, a team that is clearly a bonafide playoff group is the ability to, regardless of who they're playing, look like the same team night in, night out. And that is, it's everybody can get up for the good teams. Everybody can get up for defending cup champs or the New York Rangers or, you know, a, a divisional matchup against Vegas on Thursday. Anybody can get up for those, but it's the Philadelphia's on a Monday afternoon. How about at Arizona on a Wednesday? The Arizona Coyotes on a Wednesday night. Those are the ones that you're like, is this team going to be ready 
And is this team going to bring the type of effort they need to bring? Wednesday at Arizona, must-win game for the Calgary Flames? Yes. <laughs> We're getting pretty close at this point. Again, not statistically, but I understand what you're saying. The Minnesota Wild continue to make it so that are there must-wins right now? Hey, they're scoreboard watching. The Calgary Flames are scoreboard watching are. in February. That's not necessarily a good sign. Yes. If you're scoreboard watching, that means you are, well, it's a good thing because you're still in it, but it's a bad thing that you haven't put yourself firmly in it that you don't have to worry about what's going on around you. Uh, the goaltending carousel continues, of course, as well. Uh, Jacob Markstrom looked good against the Rangers on Saturday. Good on him. And then struggled a little bit more against Philadelphia on Monday. They got a back-to-back here. Vegas goes after Arizona. I mean, I'm going to Vladar against the Coyotes. I have no idea which way they're going to go. I really don't. Uh, I just, again, I've been very much of the, well, you got to take it game by game. And if you're taking it game by game, it's you're, you're most beholden to the last game you played. The last game they played was against the Philadelphia Flyers. Markstrom struggled, so I'd be going back to Vladar. But with couldn't that, tell you which way they're going to go. With that, though, it's back-to-back, so you're, what, 90% likely to see both goalies in those back-to-back sets. So would you go Vladar against Arizona and Markstrom against Vegas, or would you go Markstrom against Arizona, Vladar against Vegas? I would go Vladar against Arizona. And that's where it stops. And that's where it stops. Fair Honest, enough. That's, and that's not even a cop-out. That's go Vladar against Arizona. If he lets in one goal and is great in a 4-1 14 victory, shots against. <laughs> and roll him out against Vegas. It's not... It's a, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from Arizona that's to true. Vegas. I don't really... Yeah, it's back-to-back, but at at this point, you need points. You need wins. And so if Vladar on both nights is the best guy, then go to Vladar. And if Vladar struggles against Arizona, then you can go back to Markstrom against Vegas. This is where we're at, Calgary Flames fans. Pat Steinberg is not willing to look past the Arizona Coyotes on a weekday. It's very, very true. <laughs> Woo! Anyways. Uh, a couple more texts at 960-960. Good evening, guys. Uh, just a quick question. How many years did Gaudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm have to play together to get that dream number one line they had going last year? And should we, the fans, just be patient and let these guys get used to playing with one another with the hope that in the next year or two, they'll be off to the races and hoisting a Stanley Cup for a few years to come? Well, I mean, it took... Gaudreau and Lindholm had played together for, what, three seasons before... Whether it was him in the middle or, or Lindholm on the right. Exactly. Yep. And then late in the 2021 season, the last 15 games or right so... Right when they shut down Monaghan for the season. Was it was it right around there or was it somewhere right. in there? Uh, no, because they did they shut down Monaghan both seasons? It's hard to keep track. <laughs> they may have, but... Definitely. Yeah, I think you're right. I thought he was shut down in the... The bubble season? Yeah. I think you're right. But it was like the last 15 games or so, they played Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm together, and then started them together. And I don't even know if it was the original plan to start them together, but they started them together in game one, and then they just kept on going with them, and essentially they were together all year long. Now, should you just believe that, well, next season that we're going to find a line like that? No, but I do think that... This is a group that can look a little bit closer to the potential. Can. I'm not saying will, but can look a little bit different and a little bit closer to the potential we thought they had, but it might take until next season. And that that's a frustrating, that's a frustrating prospect if you're a Flames fan because the excitement you had coming into this year and the fact that 
Every year it seems to be that thing where you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. I understand it. Uh, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg with you as we continue along this hour of Flames Talk. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go Inside Hockey on this Tuesday edition of the program. Inside Hockey's for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. And uh, usually we chat to this gentleman on Monday, but Monday was a holiday. We had a matinee Flames game. So this week on a Tuesday, the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Mitch Love, joins us now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline since we last talked to Mitch Three wins and one loss. Winning a loss last week against Abbotsford and a couple of wins against the Colorado Eagles as uh, Mitch is with us right now. Hello, Mr. Love. How are we doing? I'm doing all right, Pat. I'm actually just going to warm up my vehicle here, so I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you could do that. Uh, do, do you have the remote starter or do you got to go do it solo by yourself? Yeah, I got the remote start, but I got to walk a little distance here at Winsport to get over there to get within range to get that thing going. Yeah, it's uh, all of a sudden it's winter part three. So uh, I, you didn't get this. You didn't get this. You get lots of other things that uh, you you got in Stockton, but you didn't get this in Stockton, right? No, we didn't get this in Stockton. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, to, to be frank with you, I mean, this is you know, and you probably know this better than I would. Uh, this seems like a pretty mild winter so far, and. Uh, you know, I spent three years in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and uh, I can tell you the winters were a little longer out there, <laughs> a little, little cooler than they are here in Calgary. Yeah, agreed. And this has been a mild one. I'm with you 100 percent on that front. Um, how'd you like? How'd you like the last week for your group, Mitch? Uh, three wins, one loss. Uh, just overall, how do you look back at the last four games since the last time we spoke? Yeah, you know, we played some pretty good hockey, Pat. Uh, you know, our one setback there against Abbotsford. You know, uh, we knew they were going to come with a bit of a push, uh, you know, following a, a loss of the previous night. And, you know, maybe we weren't quite as sharp or as ready for that as we needed to be. Um, but then, you know, we, we rebounded nicely and against a very competitive, uh, you know, hard-nosed Colorado team that we hadn't seen in months and, uh, you know, found some important wins over the weekend here, you know, as we go into our, uh, you know, our final two-game uh, set here before, uh, you know, hit the road. Um, a lot of hockey. How did you, that's, you don't, you don't get a lot of four game weeks in the American league. And, and it seems like there's been a few more of them this year, but you know, it's, it's not always the case that you play four games in one week, like you did last week. How'd you, how'd you feel your group handled it? Well, pretty good. Uh, it was a busy stretch for sure. I mean, uh, you know, our, our guys have come a little bit, you know, more accustomed to that here, you know, being in Calgary uh, with our travel and, you know, obviously, I think a big component to our schedule this year is, you know, the maximizing of the teams that utilize the saddle dome too. You know, yeah. so it's, you know, uh, we don't, you know, typically get the prime time dates if you want to call it that uh, at home. So we got to squeeze our home games in where we can, 
Um, and then, you know, obviously with, with the balance of going on the road. So, you know, our guys, we, we try to really evaluate, you know, through our leadership group and as a coaching staff, you know, what days are good work days, what days are good, you know, mental and physical days away from the rink um, to maximize our efforts when it does come to game time. And, and this is, this is the, you know, a little bit of the dog days of the season. Uh, as much as a coach as you don't want to say that or, or think that, about your team it's the reality and so um you know we're trying to make it an enjoyable environment for the guys to come and go to work with uh here at the practice facility and then obviously on the road but um you know if our guys thought it was busy here this last week with four home games uh you know we're we're starting a stretch here uh you know with two home games against henderson it's going to be six games in 11 nights in four different cities so it's it's going to be a busy stretch and uh you know we got to make sure we're prepared for that it is a uh, in the midst, and you are in the midst of six straight games on home ice and, and being in Calgary for an extended period of time. What, uh, what, what has been the benefit to that? How, how have you been able to maximize this time and, and this particular stretch, Mitch? Well, I think, again, just trying to find pockets of uh, when it's time to practice and, and you know, when it's time to get our recoveries and when, when it's time to you know, utilize the video as a, as a tool of coaching and, 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 you know, the progression piece for the players, um, you know, but again, we're used to it. Pat. Uh, we're, you know, we've got 20 games left here on our schedule and, uh, you know, sorry, 22 games left in our schedule and they're going to be important hockey games here as we go down the stretch in terms of, you know, uh, trying to find a playoff position and uh, try to stay, you know, at, at the top of our division here uh, against some very good teams right behind us. Mitch Love's with us, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, number one affiliate of the Calgary Flames. All four of the games, Mitch, last week, Dustin Wolf gets the start in net, and uh, he, he has himself another 3-1 and record and continues to put together an outstanding season. But, you know, all the all the different things that go along with the, the checklist of or, or the steps of uh, a professional goalie it just feels like Dustin Wolf just keeps on knocking him off because there's a heavy workload. Doesn't seem doesn't seem to phase him, does it? No, I, I mean he he relishes in that. I think probably any goalie would. Um, you know, the one thing about him is he you know he's been a workhorse his whole career in terms of playing heavy minutes and uh, you know if you date back to his junior days of. You know, a Friday night home game and then a Saturday night somewhere and then maybe back home for a Sunday at 5 o'clock in Everett. Uh, you know, three games and three nights with travel in there. He's, he's, he's done that. And, you know, um, you know, he's a guy that takes a tremendous amount of care for his body, uh, mentally and physically, uh, to allow himself to have some consistency or, or energy to play in, in a heavy workload. And, uh you know, I thought his play over the four games was was outstanding. It gave us a chance to win, was outstanding, and probably helped us win a couple of those games on his own. Um, so that's uh, he's been key for us in, in you know over the last uh, eighteen months uh, as a team, and we're going to need him and and Chechlev and and Danks to do that here for us down the stretch. And 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 well, Oscar Dansk is uh, on the on the shelf for a little bit. You've got Daniel Chechelev up with the group and and a good opportunity for him even if the the playing time isn't uh isn't a ton because you are tandeming with one of the best goalies in the American League in in Dustin Wolf. Pretty uh pretty important learning opportunity for for the young man, hey? 
It is. Um, you know, he gets uh, first-hand tutelage here with, you know, our goalie coach, Mackenzie Skapsky, and, and then obviously Jordan Sigalet, who's, who's around, you know, all three of our teams. We'll to see the Flames, us, and, and Rapid City. Um, so he, he's getting a lot of work through video and pre- reps and practice and, you know, the, the morning skates and, and whatnot. Um, and, and I think it's really important for his game. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're going again through a busy stretch here. Uh, we're going to need both guys to be good for us. And, and, you know, when they get in that net, they got to give us a quality start. So, um, you know, he's putting some good work in here and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we might see him in the net here at some point again. Mitch, certainly watching on the weekend and watching your group play Colorado and uh, seeing Jeremy Poirier. And again, the offense, the offense always pops and, and had a really productive Friday, Sunday against the Eagles. But every time I, I get the opportunity to come to a game and, and watch Poirier play, it's it's the offense that really jumps off the page, and and that's obviously the the the, the sexy stuff and and the ooh and ah stuff. But first year as a professional defenseman, I'm just curious where you've seen the progress and and how you've seen the progress in Jeremy's all round game and and what you've observed there. Well, I think you know on both sides of it let's talk offensively here i mean this is a young man that's i think everybody knew when they drafted him here in the organization that he was a talented piece um in terms of what he can do with the puck and and running a power play and and whatnot um you know i think the biggest thing that he's probably had to grasp in terms of his offensive game at this level is just you know, sometimes less is more, uh, you know, just what, what you see coming out of your end of the ice is probably the play you got to make. Don't, don't wait for something else. Cause it often won't be there uh, just in terms of how the players check at this level and, and, and how smart they are uh, as a whole, um, you know, and then you work your way through in terms of his transition. He sees the game very well offensively, you know, in the ozone, it's about getting your pucks to the net. And, you know, it might be using deception, might be using your feet, uh, using your brain, whatever it is that your job is to get pucks near the net for, for your forwards that are doing a lot of work for you. And then I, so I've seen growth in that. I think there's still areas of that where he gets a little bit of, uh, you know, I make one good move. Now I'm going to make another one and it's <laughs> not there. I, I think that's an area that he, he's got to continue to grow out a little bit. Uh, and then defensively, you know what? I think he's taken steps. Uh, you know, I, is he an elite defender right now? Not, not even close. But has he taken strides in that area and and put more of an effort in terms of his his mindset of how important it is to check and play defense at this level if he wants to give himself a chance? Uh, I've seen some growth there, and that's something that he's got to continue to, you know, make a high priority to his game uh, along with his offensive game. And it's funny because uh, I, I was down at, at Winsport a couple of months ago and I, I chatted with Jeremy and, and he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, I know my I know my defensive game needs to take massive steps. I know that is the biggest area of development. And, and it seemed it seemed like in chatting with him that, you know, he's he's got a good head on his shoulders and, and would be a, a really coachable guy. But you're the guy who is coaching him. How how coachable a player are we talking about here? I, I've been impressed with his coachability. I mean, you know what? He's he's a guy, it seems to me, can be pressed a little bit in terms of what you need out of him. Um, you know, he, he makes that eye contact with you as a, as a player to a coach in terms of, okay, I, he's he's engaged here. He's listening. Um, you know, and, and again, we, as a staff, we do a ton of video with these guys. Like, you know, in his case, like he – 
he sits with myself or Joe Sorella, you know, or, or even Don Nockbar to talk about power play stuff daily. Uh, just to, you know, again, you know, pick at, at his game a little bit and where are some areas that he's done really well and then some areas that he needs to improve on. So he's, again, I've seen growth in his game. Um, you know, he's a young player. You know, this is a tough time of year, um, you know, because it's a long hockey season and it's the travel and the, you know, the maturity of the players that you, they play against at 20 years old. It's, it's hard. And so it's really important off the ice that you take care of yourself this time of year too. And uh, I've seen a lot of growth in his, in his, you know, being a young pro here. That's awesome. Uh, I appreciate the insight on him. I know a lot of people are really, really excited about the, the path that Jeremy Poirier is on right now. Just the last one for you, Mitch, uh, you mentioned it. You've got a really busy stretch coming up. You've got two against Henderson this week to uh, finish off the six game homestand. Just set us up for the week ahead for your group. Yeah, really important games here on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, this is a team that's given us fits, Pat. Uh, the last couple of years, we're, we're below 500 in our season series with them this year. Um, so that was a big, big talking point for us as a team that we, we've got to make sure that we come to the rink tomorrow and, and Thursday with the right mindset that these are these are big points in the standings for us. and Because uh, we know we're going to have a heavy road schedule here the rest of the way. Uh, so we have to take advantage of our home ice and, um, you know, and then we hit the road and, and we go to Henderson there on, on Sunday and then, you know, an important game in Coachella next week, uh, along with Colorado. So it's going to be a busy stretch, but we're excited for the opportunity to go out and, uh, hit the road again. Mitch, appreciate the time as always. Congratulations on the good week last week and good luck ahead this week, starting with Henderson for a couple in your own barn. Thanks as always. We'll talk next week. Appreciate it, Pat. Thanks for having me on, man. Awesome, man. He is uh, Mitch Love. He is the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, and he joins us every Monday and this week, Tuesday, and he joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer today as we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk. Calgary kicking off a three-game road trip on Wednesday against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Steinberg, Aaron Vickers along with you, and it's uh, somehow it feels like the Arizona game is the one that you're like, oh, I'm really most interested in how they play against the Coyotes. Not not the division-leading Vegas Golden Knights, not the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche on Saturday, but the, the Arizona Coyotes, one of the worst teams in the NHL. That's the team that you're most worried about because that's the teams or those are the types of teams that have given the Flames absolute fits of late. Well, and the other fact is that as cliche as it sounds, it's one game at a time, one period at a time, one shift at a time right now for the Calgary Flames who have been up, down, up, down, riding the roller coaster through the first 57 games of this season. If you ever want to level it out, the Arizona Coyotes are a good start, a good place to start for that. Have a uh, good rest of your snowy Tuesday. Thank you, pal. You know what? I think I will, and I think you should too. I'm going to do my best. Aaron Vickers of Daily Hive. Taylor Dingman, Cam Hughes, our producers. My name is Pat Steinberg. This hour's been the Sports Drive. It's been brought to you by, as always, our friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at calgarylockandsafe.com.